Well, good morning, church family. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, so anyone else in panic mode that Christmas is literally like less than a week away? Anybody not done with their Christmas shopping? Yeah, I would say I'm in the same boat, but my wife does all the shopping, so we're done. Uh, good job, Amanda. Proud of you. Uh, anyway, I love Christmas. I love all things Christmas. And actually, I got probably one of the greatest Christmas presents I've ever received right before service started. Um, a student in our ministry, her dad works for Little Debbie and got me a case. And I'm talking a case of Little Debbie's Christmas tree cakes. You, you're now my favorite freshman girl. It's just that, the way that it works. Um, I could easily be bought. Uh, so I, I love all things Christmas. I love to celebrate Christmas. I love to do all things Christmas. And, and I was just, I love this time of year. I love what all it carries. Uh, my family and I love to celebrate Christmas. It's a little weird doing Christmas in Florida. Um, I'm just gonna be honest with you. We spent 14 years uh, before this in Anchorage, Alaska, where Christmas felt like it was year round uh, because you were constantly freezing and <laughs> surrounded by snow. Um, here, the 85 degrees can back off a little bit. I'd be okay with like 70. Um, the, the, uh, the sweating right now in the middle of December, walking from my truck to the church is a little much, uh, but we love living here. We love working at Cross Life. Cross Life has been such a blessing to us for the last two and a half years. I love being a part of a church that truly cares for our community. I love what we're doing on Christmas Eve with the offering and partnering with the school resource officers. Um, it's just such a joy to be a part of such an amazing ministry. And before I get into my message, I wanna be a little self-serving um, and brag on our student ministry a little bit. As they said, my name is Daryl. Um, I'm the minister of high school students here at Cross life, and I have the joy and the honor of serving some of the greatest teenagers in the world. Uh, I love what we get to do. Uh, if, you are, if you own one of those high school or middle school students, good job. Uh, you're, you're raising up some great kids that really do um, great things uh, for the Lord, and we're excited about what God's going to do through them and in them. But also on top of that, I have some of the greatest adults in the world that partner with us in ministering to and reaching our teenagers with the good news of the gospel. Um, but there's always room for more. We need more adults that are willing to come alongside and love teenagers and love Jesus and try to connect the dots for them. Uh, so if that's you, if you're an adult that loves Jesus and tolerates teenagers, come talk to me um, after service. I would love to see what options there are for you uh, and getting you connected and serving with us, whether it be in small groups or in our, our midweek um, in either middle school or high school. We wanna get you connected because these teenagers need adults that love them and are gonna come alongside them, all right? That's my, that's my self-promotion plug. We're gonna move on, all right? I love the, the series that we've been in, The Mystery of Christmas. Pastor Mercer has done just such an amazing job walking us through the Advent season and, and looking at different elements of the Advent season. And, and it's, what I loved about it the most is it's a Christmas series without really being a Christmas series. Anybody else catch that? Like we're talking about elements that point towards Christmas, but it's not just reading through the Gospel of Luke uh, every week. Um, because here's the thing, like, I, I think it's important that we see that the Christmas story is more than just the story of baby Jesus. It is the launching point for, for what we are living in today. And it's important that as we understand these different elements and how they apply to our lives, that we, we are able to walk through life and live these out and, and understand them in a more clear manner. And today, this morning, we're going to be looking at the word peace. Now, I don't know about how Christmas works in your family. There's not a whole lot of peace going on at Christmas. Anybody like chaotic times, schedules are nuts, and like family 
his family, and there's just not a whole lot of peace it, it always. It's not always like the, the prevalent thing. But here's the thing I need you to understand is that as we talk about the idea of peace, that it, it, that's really what Christmas was all about. If you look at Luke chapter two, uh, verse 14, uh, you see the, that coming of Jesus, the angels proclaiming that he is the Prince of Peace, that he is God. It says in, in scripture, it says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Like Jesus was the coming of peace. Jesus was the starting point of the peace of God reigning among believers. And as you look throughout scripture, you see that theme. Uh, the Old Testament scripture talking about him being the prince of peace, uh, being the source of peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle, that God is peace. And as Christians, we get to live in that truth. We get to experience the peace because Jesus coming and fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament. Him coming as a baby was just confirmation that God is God and God follows through on his promises and the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. And the reason that we can celebrate Jesus' birth through Christmas is because he brought peace. This morning, we're gonna look at a passage that's found in Philippians. Philippians chapter four, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. That's really where we're gonna be camping out all day. If you have a Bible app, go ahead and open it up. If you like, have it all memorized, good on you, um, well done. But we, we wanna spend just some time looking at just a couple of verses in Philippians chapter four. And in that passage, in those just five verses that we're gonna look at today, I feel like Paul, as he's writing to the church of Philippi, he's giving some instruction. He's giving some, some confirmation. Like if you want the peace of God in your life, if you want the God of peace walking with you, here's some practical things you can do. I don't wanna overcomplicate this message because it's really pretty cut and dry as you read through scripture what Paul is challenging the church to do and what Paul is guiding the church to do so that they can live with that peace of God. In the midst of the chaos going around us, we have to understand that God is the source of peace, that God is, 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 um, is still God in the midst of the chaos. I read a, a, a definition of the peace of God. It says this, the peace of God is the, is the peace that God possesses and bestows on others that should lead to contentment. In essence, you need to understand that God is enough. In the midst of everything that we're going on, if you have God in your life, everything else pales in comparison. And you could trust that, you can live in that, you can know that he, he is there, and you can know that that peace is still there. In the midst of trials and struggles, God is still God and he is still in control, and that should dictate the contentment in your daily life. So as we read through Philippians chapter four, and as we look at these things, there's two questions that, that Paul really leads with. The first is this, how can we have the peace of God? How can we have the peace of God? And then secondly is, how can we have the God of peace with us? Two things that are really very similar, and I feel like they play off of each other, but for whatever reason, Paul dictated the difference. <laughs> so we're gonna look at them from two different perspectives. First is this, how to have the peace of God. But before we do that, let's read together Philippians chapter four, starting in verse number four, and we're gonna read through verse nine. Let's read this together. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. 
The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse number eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Can we pray real quick? Father God, we thank you just for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your son Jesus and the peace that he brings. God, I pray that each and every one of us in this room, Lord, we would leave this place this morning with a clearer understanding of your peace peace that you offer. And in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, God, we have the God of the universe on our side. God, speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love this passage that Paul writes here as he's writing to the church of Philippi. He's giving very specific cut and dry instructions. And the first thing we're going to look at, if you're taking notes in our, in our worship folder, those notes, that are there, the first thing you'll see is that we're going to talk about this, how to have the peace of God. You don't have to dig too deep. I mean, he makes it very cut and dry here in these first couple of verses, um, in the steps, verses four through seven. But the first thing is this. If you want to have peace of God, step number one, rejoice always. Verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I don't want to overcomplicate this because I feel like it's pretty simple. Rejoice in all situations. The good, the bad, the ugly, the great, the terrible. Rejoice. You see, guys, because to have the joy of God in your heart, to be able to rejoice from your core, shouldn't be dictated by your outside circumstances. Should only be dictated by the fact that you've got the God of the universe with you. The, the God who, who spoke things into existence is in your side. Matthew Henry, a pastor, wrote this. It says this, joy in God is a duty of great consequence in the Christian life. As Christians, it's our duty to live with the joy of God. It's our duty to, to have that joy in us, to have it reflect in everything that we do. It doesn't mean you're not gonna have hard times. It doesn't mean that you're gonna have struggles. It doesn't mean that you're not going to like, get sick. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna deal with death and loss and struggles. But in the midst of all that, you're able to rejoice because God is still God. I read a quote earlier, and it, it stepped on my toes a little bit. It said this, our inner attitude, or excuse me, our inner attitudes don't need to match our outward circumstances. How many of you had a bad day and it just like sent everything into a spiral? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> hand, feet, whatever. I, it's I, I, all the time, right? We let, we let our circumstances dictate our joy rather than the source of our joy being God that is greater than all of our circumstances. It's a paradigm shift. We gotta think differently. Rejoice always. If there was anyone in scripture that was able to say these words 
with a straight face and mean it, it's Paul. I don't know if you know much of Paul's story, but he wrote most of his letters behind bars, in prison, in captured, like strand, like he's been through the ringer. If there's anybody in scripture that has the right to be like a little bitter about his stance and where he is in life, it's probably Paul. But he chooses to rejoice. Step number one is having the peace of God. Rejoice always in all things. Paul isn't telling us that, th- that things are gonna be happy at all times. There's gonna be times of sorrow, hurt, pain, and suffering, but God is still God. Early on in my ministry, I had a student come through my ministry named Keith. I think I've shared a little bit of Keith's story before, but Keith was a student that started in middle school, came through high school, ended up serving back in, in, in middle school with me when I was a middle school minister. And, and like shortly after he graduated high school, he had a tragic accident where he was, he was hiking at these waterfalls in, in Alaska and, and the, like the trail gave way. And he fell into the whirlpool of the, of the waterfall and drowned. And he died on a Saturday. I woke up on Sunday morning to text messages and phone calls from everybody telling me. And it was a time of great sorrow. It was a time of great suffering. And like, it was just uncertainty. Like we didn't know what was happening. There was details that were all over the place. And I'll never forget the phone call I got Sunday night. It was Keith's parents saying, Daryl, you know what's happened, um, and we want you to preach the funeral. Can we meet with you tomorrow and talk about the details and what we need to have happen? (sighs) Yeah. I'd be honored. And I remember that morning, they came to my office. They sat on a couch in my office, and I was sitting behind my desk. They sat on the couch, and Keith's mom sat there and tears in her eyes, suffering, sorrow, pain. She looked at me as plain as could be and said, I want you to preach the gospel at his funeral. Unashamedly present the gospel. And if just one person gets saved, if just one person hears the gospel that's never heard it before, Keith's death won't be in vain. And we'll celebrate that. And we will rejoice. And I remember sitting there in my office, seeing this woman that's obviously her world has shattered, but her joy remained. Her joy remained in Jesus. She knew exactly where Keith was. And she wanted other people to experience that same thing. So what about us? Are we able to rejoice in all things? Are we able to rejoice in, our, in no matter what our circumstances are throwing at us? You want that peace of God? Rejoice in all things. Number two, this comes from verse number five. It says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Second thing that we need to do to have the peace of God in our lives, care for others. Care for others. That word reasonableness in the, in the original Greek, it's a word, and I'm not a Greek scholar at all. You can ask Nick, who works with us in our student ministry. I was like, he, he's done more Greek studying than me. And I was like, hey, how do you say this word in Greek? And he goes, I have no idea. So we kind of like phonetically figured it out. And the best we could come up with was epiaikis. 
And this, this phrase, is there's really no direct translation word for word. It's not like one of those things that you can just say, oh yeah, that means this. It takes multiple words to truly get the essence of that word. And it says this, the best we can come up with is this, is gentleness and generosity towards others. It refers to a spirit that is reasonable, fair-minded, and charitable. It describes someone willing to yield his or her own rights to show consideration and gentleness to others. Does that describe you? Are you somebody who cares for others? Are you somebody that goes out of your way to love others, to point people towards the gospel, to fulfill needs that need to be fulfilled? In Hebrews 13, it says this, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. We're called to let our example shine to others. The way that we love others, the way that we care for others. The world is watching how we treat others. Let's let our gentleness and our compassion be what people realize and what people recognize. I will say this, Cross Life does a great job of this. It's one of the things that attracted me to Cross Life. But the church as a whole, when we go beyond just the walls, unfortunately, in the world, the church isn't always known for this. What can we do to change that? Let's care for others. You wanna have that peace of God in your life? Let's care for others. You wanna have that peace of God? Rejoice always. And then number three, is this, it comes from the end of verse five into verse six. The Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's what we need to do, we need to trust God with it all. We need to trust God with everything that we come across. We need to trust God with the, the, the big, the small. God is able the Lord is at hand, which means he's coming. Like, he, he's fulfilling promises, right? We see that in, in the, the Christmas story with baby Jesus in the manger, like fulfilling all of these Old Testament promises. And then him coming again, the second coming of Christ that we anxiously await for. And we're, we're just so ready for him to return and take us to heaven and, like, and have this new heaven and new earth. Like all these promises that we know that God fulfills. And we know he's going to. Yet we worry. We take things into our own hands that we have no control over. We worry about things that God's already got figured out. Anxiety is at an all-time high. People are struggling with, with, with anxiety and, and, and struggling with, with worry and, and, and all these things, but all we gotta do is just give it to God. Doesn't mean it's gonna go away. But in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our pain, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God's got it. God's gonna take care of it. I read a quote in this preparation and when I read it the first time, it was one of those quotes that hurt. You guys ever have those? Like the conviction? Like I read it and I went, ooh, I don't like that. 
So I'm gonna read it to you guys because I feel like you need to have your toes stepped on. Like it, it pierced me to the heart and I feel like it, it maybe it'll speak to you guys because I don't wanna suffer alone, all right? I want you guys to experience the same conviction I experienced when I read this quote. And guys, listen, get ready, buckle up because it hurt. Ready? Worrying is bad because it's a subtle form of distrust in God. Let me read it again. <laughs> Worrying is bad because it's a subtle form of distrust in God. The creator of the universe, he who spoke everything we see into existence, is still in control. He still sits on the throne. He's still like the sovereign God of the universe. Yet we're going to let little things ruin our day. We're gonna worry about things that we have absolutely no control over. Paul's challenge to the church of Philippi applies to us very much the same way. When you have that anxiety, when you have that worry, give it to God. Go to him in prayer. Say, God, I need you. I know you've already got this figured out. Doesn't matter how big, how small. God's got it. He's got it taken care of. Just trust him. You want to have the peace of God with you? Rejoice always. Care for others. Trust God with it all. Paul makes it very clear. If you do these things, right? It's a, it's a cause and effect in scripture here. Because when we get to verse seven, he says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you do X, Y will happen. Good old algebra problem for you on Christmas break, students. Right? Like, it's this idea of, of if you do this, God will guard your heart. He'll guard your mind. That phrase of guard is this illustration of a garrison. If you know anything about history, it's that, that fortified city where they would have guards on every entrance. And you know what the coolest part about this is? Is this, guy, this guard that's guarding your heart and your mind, it's not like some second-rate like, security guard that like, God is hiring out to guard your heart. It's the God of the universe himself. Guarding your heart, guarding your mind. If that doesn't give you peace, if that doesn't give you comfort, if that doesn't give you just that ability to just and relax, I don't know what does. Trust in him. Our hearts are at ease because we know the God who controls it all. Our minds are focused on him because we know that God is in control. And that peace that comes upon us in that moment, it's not always gonna make sense. It's gonna surpass all understanding, as the passage says. But when you're in it, man, it makes sense. A couple years ago, when I was still living in Alaska, I received a phone call from my parents, who are here today, I guess. Um, and they, uh, they called me and said, hey, your grandmother's not doing very well. She had cancer. Um, we brought her to the hospital. We're not sure what the timeline's gonna be. Um, so if you're gonna come, now's probably a good time. So I got on the computer, got myself a flight, booked, went down to North Carolina and spent 
about a week in North Carolina, sitting in the hospital room with my grandma, spending time with my family, really just spending time with her. And a cool part about my grandmother, she got saved later in life. Uh, she was a believer, she trusted God, and in the midst of all this chaos, she was okay. Like she sat there with absolute peace, knowing that her last breath could be at any moment. And I remember I was, I was in the hospital room for a while and I was like, I need to get some fresh air. I had a phone call from a friend in Alaska. So I went down to the waiting room and I'm talking to my buddy who's a pastor up in Alaska and, and we're talking he's asking how things are going. I was like, man, it's good. She's just at peace. Like she, we're just at this point just kind of waiting and just spending time together. And I get off the phone with him and, and I raise my head up and my uncle, my uncle John, is sitting right across from me. My uncle not a believer at the time, and looked at me and said, Daryl, I just don't get it. How can she be at such peace? Like, how can she be okay with this? Knowing that she might not wake up tomorrow morning. How can she be okay? I don't understand, I, don't, I can't grasp it. And I remember sitting there looking across this like waiting room area, my uncle, I looked him straight in the eyes, I said, Uncle John, the only thing I could tell you is Jesus. The peace of God is in her life because she knows when she takes her last breath, that pain's gonna be gone. That suffering's gonna be gone. It's all gonna be okay. What about you? Do you have that peace of God? Do you have that trust knowing that God's got it? The God of the universe is on your side? No matter what's gonna happen in your life, God's there. He's gonna take care of it. The passage goes on. Paul doesn't finish there. He continues in, in verse number eight. And this is where he talks about how to have the God of peace with you. In verses eight and nine, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In these two verses, Paul really gives two things to help have the God of peace with you, to help under, to like accept the fact and, and live in the truth and the knowledge that God is with you, that the God of the universe, the God of peace, the peace of God can be with you wherever you go. He breaks it down in two things. The first is this, right thinking. We see that in verse number, verse number eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I don't know if you notice that if you read through those, those identifying character traits, the, the tr what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is just, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, all those things describe God. They describe God and his character. What Paul is saying here is, listen, fill your mind with the things of God. Focus on the good in this. Focus on what God is doing. Focus on what God can do and what he's continuing to do in your life. Anybody ever hear the phrase garbage in, garbage out? I'm a firm believer. Whatever you set your mind on, whatever you fill your heart with, fill your mind with, that's what's gonna come out of your life. You wanna have the peace of God in your life? You wanna have the God of peace and know that he's with you wherever you go? Think about him. Dwell on the things of him 
whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Think on these things. Not just think about them, but be laser focused on them. Any former athletes in here? All right, yeah. I was a football player. I played basketball. I played every sport I feel like known to man throughout my childhood. Um, and man, like, I remember coaches just drilling this into you. You need to focus. You need to like, be locked in. Lock in right now. My son's a wrestler, and, and I love watching wrestling. Anybody, any wrestling fans? Like, not WWE. Like, I'm talking, like, collegiate wrestling, like, actual wrestling. Um, and and, and he, I love to watch him before the match, and he's in here, and so he's probably, like, getting under the pew right now because I'm talking about him. But, like, I love to watch him right before a match. Now, I love to watch him wrestle, but I love to watch him before a match because there's this moment before his match where he's warming up, and he's getting ready, and he puts his headgear on snaps it in. And at that moment, he's locked in. His mind is focused on what's he about, what he's about to do. And he steps onto the mat and he competes. And he's focused on exactly what he needs to be focused on in that moment. And I feel like Paul here is talking about that same type of laser focus in our spiritual life. We need to be so focused on the things of God that that's the only thing we see. That's the only thing that we care about. Our mind is so locked in on the character traits of God. It's so focused on what God has called us to do that nothing else matters going on around us. Think on these things. It brings peace. It brings an understanding of who God is and the fact that he's with you. The second thing that Paul here says, challenges us to, is found in verse number nine. Whatever you have, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look at those three words right before it says, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. It's one thing to know stuff, it's another thing to do stuff. Right actions, not just right thoughts, not just right thinking, but right actions putting it into practice, living your life in such a way that people see it, that you're pursuing God. It takes more than thinking and dwelling on these virtues. It requires action. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land. If you ever have the opportunity, go. Like, it'll radically change the way you read the Bible. We had a tour guide. His name was Zaev. And Zaev was with us the whole time we were there. He was an Israeli national, um, and man, this dude knew his scripture. He would tour us around, and he would quote scripture off the top of his head and like talk about these historical sites of the Bible and all this kind of stuff, and he knew all of his stuff, even the New Testament stuff. Like He would go in, and like, we talk about the crucifixion and, and we're in Bethlehem, and he would tell us all these intricate history parts, and like he would tie it all to scripture, but it wasn't real to him. He knew it. He probably knew more scripture than every, us, every one of us in this room combined. But it wasn't being played out in his life. See, he wasn't a believer. He was just a tour guide. Paul, on the other hand, here is challenging the believers in, in Philippi to say, hey, listen, do as I do. I'm following Jesus, so just follow me. Put it into practice. 
And when you do those things, when you, when you think on the things of God, when you do the things of God, there's a certain peace that will come into your life. There'll be a certain understanding of how the world is working that allows us to take that deep breath in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle. God will reveal himself to you and he'll walk with you through those things. What about you? Do you have that peace of God in your life? Do you have that peace that surpasses all understanding? Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're a Christian. Like you, you've, you've been in church your entire life. You have been through Awana. You've been through Brother Barry's kids ministry. And like you have all the stories memorized. You have everything gone. You've earned every patch you could possibly imagine. Like you got the citation. You know all those things. you're still struggling. Maybe you've let worry creep into your life. You've let struggle take over. I want to challenge you. Give it to God today. Give it to him. Let the peace of God fill your heart. Let the peace of God take over in such a way that that God will be honored and glorified in the way that you live your life. But maybe you're in here this morning and as I've been talking about the peace of God and that peace that that just, you're able to walk into trials because you know that God's got you and you're just sitting there going like, I don't have that. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. My world is in shambles. I have no hope, I have no peace, I have no joy. I want you to hear me and hear me very clearly. This Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas offers that for everyone. Offers that peace, offers that joy, offers that hope through his forgiveness of your sins and the salvation that he offers. You see, because Jesus didn't come and stay a baby He came and lived a perfect, sinless life. 33 years in, he willingly went to the cross, died a sinner's death. His blood was shed as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was laid in a borrowed tomb, and three days later defeated death, rose from the dead, so that we could have salvation, so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And it's in that forgiveness of our sins that we can have peace. It's in that forgiveness of our sins that we can have hope in the midst of struggles, in the midst of trials. Because we know whatever is gonna get thrown at us here in this world, God's greater than it. We got something greater waiting for us. It's the reason my grandmother in the midst of being filled up with cancer could sit there in peace because she knew something greater was coming. It's the reason that that Keith's parents could sit there with joy in their hearts in the midst of their world crumbling around them. It's because of that salvation through Jesus. If you're in here this morning and you don't have that peace, you don't have that joy, you don't have Jesus in your life, I wanna give you that opportunity. I wanna give you that opportunity to leave these doors, leave this building this morning, knowing without a shadow of a doubt peace of God is with you 
and that no matter what happens in your life, God's holding you in the palm of his hand. And even if you take your last breath here, you'll wake up in the presence of God. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're a believer in here, I wanna ask that you just pray. Pray for those that need Jesus. Pray for those in your life that need Jesus. Pray for those that, that need the forgiveness of sins. But if you're that person in here that I just described that has no hope, that has no peace, that has no joy, that doesn't have Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. You don't have to use my words. You can put it in your own words. If you say it quietly in the, in the silence of your heart, God's big enough to hear it all. You just say something along this line. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner that needs saving. God, I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that hope that only you can offer. God, I accept the gift of salvation that Jesus gives. I accept that free gift that Jesus offers. God, save me, change me, forgive me of my sins. I give my life to you right now. And just follow it up with a simple amen. If you said that prayer just now, I want you to hear me. That is by far the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. There's nothing greater. You can leave these doors knowing if you meant it with all your heart, that God's got you. No matter what you're going through, God's peace can walk with you. The joy of the Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. I wanna ask that you do something. In a second, we're going to stand and we're gonna sing a closing celebration song of worship and a few of our staff are gonna be up here at the front. If you said that prayer and you meant it the best you know how, as soon as we start singing, I ask that you just come. Grab one of these guys and just tell them, hey, I said that prayer with Daryl. And here's what they're gonna do. They're not gonna call you out. They're not gonna say, what took you so long? They're gonna celebrate with you. They're gonna pray with you. They're gonna, they're gonna get information from you so that they can continue to, to follow up with you and help you take these next steps to live with that peace that only God offers. Everyone else in the room, I wanna issue a challenge as well. As we go towards the Christmas season, you know that you're gonna be interacting with people that don't know Jesus. I ask that we would come fill this altar, get on our knees and pray for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with our friends and our family. Maybe you are a believer and you've been struggling with that peace. You don't have that peace. Man, come and lay it at the altar today. Say, God, take it. Use it. God, I give it to you. I want that peace in my life. I don't want this struggle to control me anymore. I give it to you right now. So as we stand, as we sing, the altar is open. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.